Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 168. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about more Shining Resonance. <laughs> not that much more, not that much more. Don't worry, I'm not going to continue. This This will be close to the last week, if not the last week that we talk about this. Uh, still, still trying to finish up that extra content. So last week I, I, I done like the first bit of extra content in that game. And I was like, oh, this is actually like pretty, a pretty substantial bit of like story that was added on. Um, only to kind of find out that like all the post game content is almost like alternate. I don't want to say alternate universe is the right word, but it's kind of built upon like which character you end up dating at the end or something. So it's 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 strange because they'll take the same story point and kind of rework it for another character and like pretend like the other character you saw that story point for didn't actually fulfill that story point and it was this person instead to kind of kind of give them like a i don't know not really a childhood friend connection but like oh when they were younger this happened and you were there kind of thing um and and so it was a little strange to see that like come up again and be like oh I was here when this happened rather than, you know, when I originally finished the game with Sonya. So Sonya filled that role the first time. And then I did uh, with Excella after that. And Excella is like, I was, I was there. I'm the one you're destined to be with. <laughs> it was, it was kind of uh, weird. Um, so I think that content is maybe less substantial than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the main reason I wanted to kind of address that is because last week I was like, oh, this is pretty cool how they're handling this in-game content. And it's still cool that it's like, it is actual post-game content and they kind of treat the world as if it's been saved and everything. And so everything is happening post-game rather than, you know, being stuck in some weird purgatory where the last boss isn't, you know, killed, but you know, because this is where our last save file was. We have to, we have to contextualize every story point from now on within this this like particular time period kind of thing. Uh, and then a lot of the other stuff was really just like excuses to get you to play certain dungeons with characters in swimsuits and uh, characters in uh, in schoolgirl outfits. And it, it, it always locks it down to the female characters. So like you have to play through these dungeons with the uh, with the girl characters instead of the guys because the guys don't have any kind of um swimsuits or anything like that they they really cheaped out on the guy outfits they they basically gave them like two outfits and called it a day um so it, it it's a little disappointing in that regard um but you know it's you know fan servicey kind of stuff you know what what you would expect you know there's all here's all the opportunities for us to just you know give you some some artwork of all the girls in bikinis on a beach splashing water at each other kind of thing um you know and it wasn't bad it was it was enjoyable for the most part it is kind of strange that they kind of do the exact same thing multiple times and then pretend like the other ones didn't happen. So there's actually multiple missions where you get locked into going into a dungeon when you're in a swimsuit, when you're in a schoolgirl outfit kind of thing. And then, but they're not connected in any way. So the characters always have the reaction of like, oh, I'm in a swimsuit while I'm here kind of thing. Um, and, and it's strange because like one of them, they're very like, yeah, I'm into this. Like, I'm glad I have my swimsuit on. We're going to go beat up some monsters in a swimsuit and the other one's like oh it's so embarrassing kind of thing it's strange because it's just like each of these individual quest lines afterwards almost are like individual pockets of story that don't reference any of these other quest lines but they overlap enough that it like comes off kind of awkward in in some ways so it's it's strange it's 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 a little weird so what i have left at this point is um i i just need to finish beating the boss an additional four times so i gotta go do that and then i gotta um watch the actual ending for the last remaining um uh dateable characters or, or 
I don't, don't all the characters are dateable. All the all the party members are dateable. But the last uh, remaining uh, main girl characters that have actual post game quest lines once you actually get their ending. So I think there's like three more: uh, Marion, Kirika, and Rena. And hopefully, after that. I'll be done, and I can move on and go play the last story. <laughs> go pick up another JRPG so I can get started on that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was trying to finish that up yesterday, and, and it just got really late at night again. I was like, I, there's no way I'm finishing this right now. So I'll try to try to wrap it up sometime this week. I don't. It's not that much longer worth of stuff. I'd say maybe another couple hours, hopefully. And, and so I think my final timer will probably be just under 60 hours, which, you know, is about right for a JRPG. But I was kind of hoping that game was going to be a shorter one because I initially had heard it was only like 25 to 30 hours and then i saw it was like oh well that's if you just do the main line if you date everybody it's closer to 40 and now that i have to now that i've committed to doing the post-game content um now it's it's going to be significantly more than that but i i think that's like a good amount of like like for me at least when it comes to like a fully fledged jrpg 40 hours for the main story plus like the the main like character developments of all the characters and then maybe like another 10 to 20 hours of post-game content i think that's like a good balance for me um when you start getting into like the 70 to 80 hour mark for the main story i start to you know get a little a little tired of it uh and then obviously you know from there the post-game content sometimes can go above 100 hours so and and, and unless it's like something multiplayer that i'm doing chances are i'm not going to stick around for for longer than that so so yeah um, in terms of other games I've been playing, though, uh, I've been playing the game that seemingly everybody's been playing, uh, Fall Guys, guys with the S, not Fall Guy. Um, yeah, Fall Guys is, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't, I question how good it is, per se. <laughs> um, it's, it's an entertaining game, for sure. So if you don't know what Fall Guys is, I'd be surprised if you don't. Uh, it's basically a battle royale platformer. So you have these all these little characters that you're running around with, and you have to go and do these races through these environments and kind of go on these obstacle courses. Uh, sometimes they're like some light, like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like, memorization games or or they'll be like, oh, just survive on this platform while we, like, spin this this, like, bar at you non-stop like this bar is like rotating around this platform you have to keep jumping over it and then you can kind of harass the other players and knock them off and things like that so so and then and in the end you know only one person survives and then they get their crown kind of thing so it's very much in that battle royale format but as like a platformer kind of thing uh and and it is like something you can team up with other people to play but you're more or less just on your own other than they'll like match you on team games with other people in your party uh but otherwise you know it's 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 you know you don't ever win as a team you always are the one person winning kind of thing um and i i enjoyed it um but i think a lot of the mini games definitely could use some work uh specifically in, in, in engaging the player long term some of the mini games just kind of have you waiting around at times and it just feels like a really long period of time. Like like the 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 races and stuff are really you know really fast and and you know high adrenaline kind of stuff. And you're just constantly engaged. You know when you when you finish the race, I think it's expected that you'll spectate for a little bit. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, but when you get ones where it's like okay, memorize the fruit on this board, and like the first one's always just two different fruit, and you have to stand there for you know twenty seconds waiting for this thing to show up, and then it pops up, and then you got to wait another twenty seconds for another you know set of fruit to show up, um, and you're just kind of standing there. It, you know, I, I I get it, but it just it doesn't really feel like it. 
it fits the game super well. So I'm curious to see how they'll kind of switch these 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 games out. Um, I guess one thing I didn't really explain about the structure is that like basically you do a series of mini games, um, and and so as those mini games go on, you get eliminated kind of thing. So so you're doing these mini games, and then characters are getting knocked out as they fail those mini games until you get to the final one kind of thing. So so just some of the mini games just feel a little slow or a little dull. Like the one where you're on a roller and you have to just balance on this roller for like, you know, until other people fall off. You just kind of, if you play conservatively, you're you're pretty much good. You're just going to, you know, stand there. I've never failed that one. It only really seems like you fail if you're like really going crazy on that roller, you know, <laughs> and, and not, you know, just uh, trying to survive kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun game, but I, I'd say there's definitely room for improvement and, and, you know, given how popular it is. Uh, I, I definitely expect them to introduce new mini games. I wouldn't be surprised if they funnel out old mini games. Technically, we're in season one of the Battle Pass, I guess you could call it. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they change the mini games per season or something like that. But yeah, I enjoyed it. And you know, if you have PlayStation Plus, it's it's the subscription game this month. So if you haven't checked it out, hey, why not? It's super easy to get into. You can check it out like for one or two rounds, see if you like it. And, uh, and yeah, and, and see how it goes. I definitely think it's one of those games that when you play with other people, it's definitely, definitely more enjoyable. Uh, I personally, you know, haven't really done it on my own. It also seems to be a very big, like, streamer game kind of thing, too. And I could definitely see that, like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I treat my streams this way, but I do think a lot of streams are effective when it comes to people who are emotionally expressive. Uh, and, and I think that's what a part of why, like, VTubers and stuff are, are, are very popular and then and you know you see like like essentially the <laughs> the embodiment of the youtube thumbnail in a streamer personality kind of thing is 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 i think what's popular in fall guys uh elicits many opportunities for those kind of emotional reactions i think and i think that's why it's probably been such a successful stream game kind of thing but i could be wrong maybe i'm just overthinking it <laughs> And then you saw a little bit of this, but uh, I played. Uh, well, if you watched the stream, you saw a little bit of this. I played Muscle March, and I only played two of these stages or two levels on sta- on stream. Uh, but I went ahead and went out my way to to kind of finish up Muscle March. If you don't know what this is, this is a WiiWare game that was released in two thousand nine, um, essentially from Bandai Namco, and it's it's. I guess you could call, say it's like a. Um, I don't know if puzzle rhythm game is the right word, but basically you're like these buff dudes who are chasing after a person who stole your protein powder and you're like doing these different flexing poses um, to kind of fit into the hole in the wall. So the guy in the front will do a pose. You have to match the pose in the front. It's kind of like a Simon Says kind of thing. And it's very goofy. It's very colorful. Very if you have, if you're familiar with like Katamari Damase or uh, Domino Rally or I think what is it Everybody's Min- Minion or something like that is what it was called in in Europe. Uh, Everybody's Minon. I think his name is Minon. Um, but yeah. Anyways, like that, that kind of like very colorful, weird, low budget, but like intentionally so style. Um, um, and that's, that's basically how this game looks. I don't know if that's a good description or not, but that's what you're getting from me today. <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah, I went ahead and played through that and that was, that was pretty fun. I, I was not aware that it was a canceled arcade game. Apparently I, I saw that when I was looking up some information about the game and um, they repurposed it for WiiWare, which once you actually play it, you can definitely see, see that's the case. Like it is a, a three stage thing. You choose a stage and you do three levels within that stage. And each stage is like. A, a steady progression so it's always treating it like it's the first time you're playing the game no matter which stage you choose kind of thing um and you know i would say there's not like a really high bar when it comes to score um you know it seems like it's fairly 
it's fairly simple to get like a maximum combo in those in those games. Now, is it easy to do? No, but I think there's not a lot of room for like an upper limit to the the scoring system of the game, which might. I wonder if that played a role into why the arcade game got canceled because you know there just wasn't a lot of longevity to the game. And you know, I played it for about an hour and a half, and I got to the second highest ranking on on that. So, so I think um, I think if I really dedicated the time, I, I can make it work. And I think it's a good Wii game too. I think it's it uses the motion controls well. Uh, you know, you're not doing like the poses exactly per se, which you know, I think there's a novelty to games that really try to mimic an a uh, uh, motion. But when it comes to functionality and how the Wii remote responds, I think just moving the Wii remotes up and down uh, is is probably the most effective way to handle that kind of thing. Especially if you're make, like porting a game that was designed to be used with joysticks uh, to motion controls, it's probably keep it best to keep it simple kind of thing, right? So, so yeah, I enjoyed that, and I went ahead and recorded a a quick play for that. And in the video for that quick play, I kind of say, I don't know if this is gonna be a quick play or not. Uh, the reason being is that I am wrote up like an outline for what I wanted to talk about to try to keep it more focused. And it's closer to about 10 minutes long rather than the like the usual 30 minutes. And you know, given, given how the game plays, uh, it would just be really difficult to do like a full quick play. And then also, you know, there's not a lot of content in the game. So chances are I'd play through basically the entire game in the quick play. So, so I, I kind of did something different and I think I might do that more outline structure in the future for the quick plays. Um, I, I run into a lot of trouble, especially like, you know, with Shining Resonance and, and I remember Final Fantasy XV being the case and some shorter games that sometimes doing a, like a live playing of the game while I'm talking just doesn't particularly work super well. And even when I do have it, like with the Pen Pen Triathlon thing, I feel like sometimes I'm just kind of extending what I'm trying to say just to fill what I perceive to be a full quick play, which is anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes. So I think we might revisit what quick plays are structured like. Um, I do ask for feedback in that video. So if you do see the Muscle March uh, quick play uh, and you have some any thoughts on, you know, the structure of the video or anything like that, let me know. Obviously, I would love to make like full reviews of every single game I do, but that takes a lot of time. So, so doing something that's a a bit more you know relaxed but more structured because you know every week you already get the podcast with me just rambling out of my mouth and you also get the stream which is also just me rambling out of the mouth so having something that's like slightly more structured regularly i think that might might work well but you know let me know what you think um if you if you've ever seen like the the rhythm game based uh um quick plays it's a lot similar to that um where i'm just kind of like sitting there chatting about the game but with this one i have an outline so i can you know kind of have structure and i also edit footage to it rather than just giving you a raw gameplay feed but you know very lightly edited i'll say so so yeah so that's not going to come out this week i don't think i think that's going to come out next week i have something else that might be coming up this week that we'll touch on uh, a bit later and just as a quick final fantasy 11 update i went ahead and did dynamis windurst nothing really new there just you know, it's fun still enjoying that. Um, basically, you know, I'm still just getting little story bits about uh, specifically the Shadow Lord kind of thing and and kind of the relationship characters had to the, the Shadow Lord. Uh, I won't get too deep into Final Fantasy XI and what the Shadow Lord story is, but basically, you know, there's a there's an expedition team that was kind of uh, responsible for creating the Shadow Lord and they're very guilty uh, about, about the, you know, they're not really responsible for it, but they, they played a part in it. Um, and so they're very guilty about that. And, and it seems like Dynamics is kind of, you know, these, these expedition members kind of voicing their woes about the, mis- the decisions they made. So again, not a lot of story, but it's a fun little thing to poke around with. And I, I really wanted to do Dynamics backstock. I wanted to do it this weekend too, but I ended up dumping all that time into Shining Resonance trying to, trying to finish that off instead. So, so yeah. 
In terms of news this week, there's not a lot I wanted to talk about again. Um, the, the big thing is, is with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, um, the couple of stories, and I think some of these might might have actually come out last week and I might have just missed them. Um, there's, a, there's basically two news stories. One, in terms of content, uh, I think... I think this may have already been known. We may have touched on it before, but I, I had forgotten about it, or or at least I couldn't like you know actively remember how much they're adding. Uh, apparently, they're adding thirteen post game dungeons to that game, so you play through the main story of the game, and there's gonna be an additional thirteen dungeons. Which, if you don't know, for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, that's actually a pretty significant number. Um, I, I can't remember the total number of dungeons in that game, but thirteen probably is is a large chunk. I'd say probably about two or three world maps worth i don't know if that's of any value to anybody who hasn't played crystal chronicles before <laughs> um so but you know i think that's a pretty significant number and you know they've been and if you don't know they've been adding like a ton of cosmetic stuff to the game and uh there's also like the ability to play as different characters from the crystal Chronicles series so that's really cool um i'm really excited about this game in some ways but then also like <laughs> um i i feel so shallow for this but like there's apparently no physical copy in the u.s which i i was like oh dang like it's a 30 dollar budget game so i get it but like i don't know from square enix i usually would expect them to have a physical copy of something like this um and and apparently they don't and i don't really i don't know of any history where square enix has later put out a physical copy of a of a of a release so maybe i could be wrong about that but but it gives me the impression there's probably not going to be a physical copy in the U.S. Now, in Japan, there is physical copies of the Switch and PS4 version, um, but they've region locked them, apparently. I think you can still play them on other consoles. Um, like, like I could still import it and play it on my 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 uh, like Switch or PS4. More specifically, uh, what the news stories I'm going to link is, is uh, noting is there's no, um, there's no cross-region play. So you have to play within the region of the game you purchased. So if you if you're playing the English one, then or if you're playing the Japanese one, then you can't play with anybody on the English servers. Which, eh, eh. So, so yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Um, I will probably still end up getting it. It's like thirty bucks digitally. Um, and I have quite a few people I know who who want to play it. Although the the group that I I usually play those kind of long term action RPGs with. Uh, they were pretty bummed out by the lack of physical and and seem un, unsure if they want to go forward with it now. On the bright side, there is that light downloadable release. So I'm trying to convince them that, you know, if we play it, you know, they can they can start with that, see if they how they feel about it and if we can go forward. But unfortunately, yeah, no physical copy kind of stinks. You know, again, it doesn't really matter. But as somebody who does, does collect games and likes having a physical version, um, you know, not only for you know, having something later down the line for when these consoles, you know, shut off. Um, but also, you know, having something on my shelf makes it immensely more likely I'll play through it. Honestly, it's, it's, there's definitely a, like a feeling of owning something that makes me feel more, more responsible for beating a game almost. Um, which, you know, maybe that's just, that's, that's probably just, you know, my brain doing my brain things. Right. But it, it, there's no real logic to it. I think it's probably the same as people are being like, you know, if they're not using the same control or the same console, uh, even though the play experience is perfect for like a retro game, they might still be like, oh, this just feels off, even though it's actually perfectly fine. But they're like, they know they're using like a clone console or something. Um, well, honestly, though, in knowing how clone consoles work, there's actually there are inaccuracies. So I don't want to just criticize those people too much. Um, I think it's it's probably kind of a shallow argument to be like, oh, you know, just play on emulator. It's fine. And it's like, well, there's 
problems is just playing on emulator sometimes but anyways ramble 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 um i will probably end up getting this thing anyways but it is a bit disappointing to me and but i will reward square enix by giving them money so <laughs> so yeah and that's pretty much it for game news this week but one thing i did want to talk a little bit about is uh there was a tony hawk pro skater uh, documentary that came out i think it's called pretending i'm a superman i was actually really interested in this documentary um I think like a lot of people, I grew up enjoying the to- Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, so I have like a, a a soft spot for them. I don't know if nostalgia is the right word for it, but but I will say you know it is a a series that I enjoyed, and and I'm glad to see you know it's coming back with Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two. Um, but yeah, in this documentary, I would say there's not a lot of value to it. Um, but it is just kind of nice to get like a timeline run of, you know, skateboarding where, where the skateboarding was at. And then, uh, in terms of like, you know, as a, as a sport, but through, through the eighties and early nineties, what, you know, what Tony Hawk pro skater, you know, did in terms of, you know, giving recognition to these people. And, and it's kind of you know, the thing they kind of point out the, the kind of the whole point of this documentary is that they're like, well, Tony Hawk pro skater basically, you know, single-handedly lifted up our, our franchise, you know, um, our, our, our single-handedly lifted up our sport, you know, you know, significantly alongside like the X games and things like that. So, so it was, it, it was interesting to see that and like how many of these, you know, bands and stuff that were, were influenced by the game because of their, their song being in it and then people being like, you know, showing up and, and, and being, they tell them like, oh, I heard your music in, in Tony Hawk Pro Skater and I loved it kind of thing and, and things like that. So it's interesting, it's interesting to see the, the tendrils of what Tony Hawk Pro Skater did for industries outside the game industry because you know i'm very focused on the game industry so seeing seeing how it's affecting all these things outside the game industry uh is really really interesting um but i would say that stuff is very much on the back end of the 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 um documentary and maybe occupies like the last 20 or so minutes um the the beginning part i think is is maybe i don't know the best way to put it it's like it's like almost there's not a lot of detail in what's going on in the skate scene at the time in terms of what they're explaining. And, and I feel like I didn't really get a whole picture of how, how the skate scene progressed between the, you know, the eighties and, and early nineties. It felt kind of jumbled up and mixed up in a way. And, and it wasn't, it was like super well presented. I'm not quite sure what was wrong. I think it was just something about the pacing and the information being delivered to you. It was really hard to keep track of who's talking about what time and when kind of thing. Um, so I think that was like the, the biggest challenge I think that documentary had. And, you know, I would have been more interested in, in seeing more of the background development of, of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. They had mentioned at some point, like Bruce Willis had a gun on his back and riding a skateboard on their original prototype because they were reusing assets from Apocalypse uh, for the PlayStation while they were making this game kind of thing. Um, and... And I think like having more little bits about that would have been would have been pretty good. But I think it's an okay documentary overall. And if you're a fan of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I don't think you'd do any harm by watching this. I think it'd be entertaining enough. But there's just nothing really there to to really you know say oh you gotta watch this kind of thing. Um, there's just not a lot of a lot of new information. But you know if you want to see you know a lot of these skateboarders talk about the series, you know the effects they had, the concerns they had about it. There's one dude who's there is just like. I wanted nothing to do with this game. I was worried about this game, but you know, everybody was signing on to be a part of this game. So I felt like I had to kind of thing. And then like, see how his opinion kind of changed as the game came out, as that, that series developed and, and kind of, you know, see almost like the, 
or have him lay out almost like the the ways that his brain or his his thought process about the game developed over time and how he kind of came to accept the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games in some ways. So so I thought that stuff was kind of interesting, but it, it it just it wasn't enough of that stuff to to really make it super like super worthwhile. But it is like you know five dollars to rent, ten dollars to buy on most digital services. So you know. I think that's like fine for a hour and I think 10 minute documentary, but you know, eh, eh, eh. that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Like I said, I will have a muscle March quick play coming up sometime in the near future here. I'll definitely let you know. It'll probably be next week, but if it, if that changes, um, you know, yeah, you could just follow my Twitter feed and you'll see, you'll see, uh, the things as they come out. Um, I'm going to have a gaming pickups video going up on Tuesday this week. I do need to do the final check on the, uh, the the final draft of it so i will need to check that one more time so if if for some reason that pickups video doesn't turn out how i thought it would uh, i might switch the muscle march video out to this week so you might see that on wednesday um but you know i don't know i don't know for sure i i, I would say expect the giving pickup video this week on wednesday so uh that should be going up and then uh if you haven't been watching the stream we've been streaming last rebellion nis america jrpg um, that has some unique mechanics that aren't particularly implemented super well, but I think overall is a good game. I, I, I really think the 3 out of 10 review scores that were, I was seeing on Wikipedia ahead of time uh, might be a little overblown, but, you know, my concept of a good game is very different from, like, a mainstream industry person's concept of a good game. So <laughs> so maybe it's just my, my own, uh, you know... It's my own opinion. It is just my opinion. I can confirm that. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're doing that. And then in terms of what's coming up next for streaming, um, you know, I mean, we'll probably have like at least three or four more streams of this game. Um, I'm maybe thinking about Billy Hatcher. I got my copy Billy Hatcher in, so I haven't tested it to make sure the disc is working or anything yet. But that seems that feels right right now for some reason. I don't know why. We'll see. Yuji Naka. That's the reason. Did he even work on that game? I think he worked on that game. Beyblade. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking about Beyblades. Um, anyways, but that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlReport.com is the website. Um, and, you know, like like usual, uh, every Monday I have my podcast go up at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Then every Thursday we stream at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So go ahead and check those out. Again, if for some reason my internet's not behaving nicely, um, and I will go ahead and do like an offline recording of the stream, and you'll see that go up sometime on, on either Friday or the weekend probably. Um, I don't want to like commit to a particular time frame uh, because if I struggle to get something exported out Thursday night, then I might end up accidentally staying up too late and that affects my ability to work. So, <laughs> so yeah, anyways, thank you again for your time this week and I hope you have a great week. Double week, double week mentioned. All right, goodbye. <laughs>